Riley here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Monday, April 19th, 2021. Stand up for your country. We begin, as we usually do, with President Biden's schedule today. He had one event at 1.15 in the afternoon. He met with a bunch of senators to discuss investments in the American Jobs Plan. That's it. That was his entire day on, on the schedule. Maybe he did stuff that we don't know about. Now, I've been doing a little research, and I think that President Biden has the lightest schedule, at least so far, 100 days in, than any other president except Millard Fillmore, who may not have even known he was president. <laughs> old, old Millard. Uh, he was VP and then became president for a little while. Anyway, um, Joe Biden uh, continues to prove that he is the most liberal president in United States history, and I will prove that. Um, a couple of segments away. Okay, so let's begin with the uh, Derek Chauvin trial. Uh, closing arguments made today. The mob has already convicted uh, the former police officer, as you know. Um, and if he is acquitted, which is not likely, uh, there would be terrible violence across the country. Uh, I do believe he'll be convicted. I'll tell you why in a moment. But let's talk about the mob. So the mob doesn't care about um, evidence in any case. Uh, they take a side and then who they believe is guilty of whatever it may be, they want to harm. That's what mobs do. Now, if Derek Chauvin were walking the streets of Minneapolis, he would probably be killed. When he is sentenced to prison, which I believe he will be, they're going to have to keep him in isolation or a prisoner will murder him. There's no doubt in my mind. So mob mentality is this close away from violence and often spills over into the violent arena. And it's condoned in America today. Here is Congresswoman Maxine Waters. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need business. All right. So no one is surprised by uh, the congresswoman's statement. She has been a loon ever since she was elected. Um, does she incite? Is that insightful? I would say no. She's not inciting. She's condoning. And she is encouraging the people to come out and show the country that we mean business, whatever that means, okay? But no one should be surprised. Now, um, I told you I'm not trying this case on television. That would be grossly irresponsible. Of course, it doesn't stop the cable TV news outfits from doing it. But um, from what I've seen, uh, there is overwhelming evidence that um, Officer Chauvin did violate the law. Let me quote you the law on second degree murder. OK, then that's what he's charged with, uh, along with lesser charges. But that's what I think he'll be convicted of. Here is the law in Minnesota. It causes the death of a human being without intent to affect the death of any person. It means the person dies, but you didn't mean to kill him while intentionally inflicting or attempting to inflict bodily harm upon the victim when the perpetrator is restrained. 
Mr. Floyd was restrained. So I, if I'm on the jury, and again, I, I, I'm not going to say that I would vote to convict him of, of uh, second-degree murder because I didn't see or hear all of the testimony. But to me, hearing enough of it and studying the closing arguments, um, I, I would be very, very surprised if Derek Chauvin isn't convicted of second-degree murder. Now, um, the situation after he's convicted, nobody knows. I mean, the mob will get what it wants, revenge on Officer Chauvin. They'll get what it wants. And the final thing I want to say about this before uh, we move to the next story is that if Derek Chauvin doesn't know that he is in great jeopardy of being incarcerated for a long period of time, then I, I don't understand because he should have taken the stand in his own defense, and he did not. All right. Joe Biden, the most radical left president in U.S. history. This is not an ideological analysis, please. This is a historical analysis. It doesn't have anything to do with ideology, all right? So FDR, up until Biden's election, was the most liberal president ever because in the Great Depression, the government had to come in and take over much of the U.S. economy, which is by definition what liberals want. And Roosevelt had to nationalize a whole bunch of stuff. He had to give massive amounts of money away just to keep people from dying. That's how bad the Great Depression was. Um, Biden has passed him. Now I'm going to give you two examples. The ambassador to the United Nations, Linda Greenfield, was confirmed a few weeks ago, 7820 in the Senate. Confirmed 7820. Listen to her on April 13th. Go. I grew up in the segregated South. I was bused to a segregated school. On weekends, the Klan burned crosses on lawns in our neighborhood. I shared these stories and others to acknowledge on the international stage that I have personally experienced one of America's greatest imperfections. I've seen for myself how the original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. Uh, that's outrageous. That's the U.S ambassador to the United Nations, basically telling the world, hey, America is a bad country and remains bad because the Constitution is flawed. It's a white supremacist document. That's who Joe Biden put in charge of the United Nations. Second, a woman uh, named Clark, Kristen Clark. All right. She is Mr. Biden's nominee. It hasn't been confirmed yet to lead the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. All right, put it up on the screen. Here's Ms. Clark. We are witnessing a unified movement against the violent manifestations of systemic racism that pervades every aspect of our lives, especially when it comes to policing and the operation of the criminal justice system in our country. Black communities and their allies are saying enough's enough. Police violence and racism are twin evils that have harmed black people for far too long. Racism is not a thing of the past. It was not solved 50 years ago. We are a nation in crisis, and the racism underlying this crisis must be addressed today, or more black bodies will face the fatal consequences, unquote. So again, 
Biden appointing people. Now, this one is in the Justice Department. Says, look, this is a rotten, evil, racist country. Does Joe Biden believe that? I mean, if you analyze his entire senatorial career, never once did he come close to saying anything like that. In fact, he was the tough guy on black crime, the tough guy, and put him in jail, all the African-American criminals. That's who he was. I guess maybe he feels guilty about that. Is he woke or does he not know what he's doing? Okay. Did you see me on 60 Minutes last night? I was surprised. Um, you know, I sometimes watch it now. I don't watch it every week as I did when Mike Wallace and the boys and uh, Leslie Stahl uh, were reigning. Um, once in a while I watch it, but I was watching last night. And they had a, their lease story is on the Oath Keepers, which is a far right group. And the Oath Keepers have been around since 2009. Um, there's not many of them. Maybe 5,000, that's the number, that, the top number. Um, the Anti-Defamation League, which despises the Oath Keepers, says there are 1,000 to 3,000 of them. That's nothing. There are more Antifa in Portland, Oregon than Oath Keepers all over the United States. Well, anyway, 60 Minutes put, picked out the Oath Keepers because their theory, the program's theory, is that the Oath Keepers were involved in the Capitol riots of January 6th. Okay, so the head guy, let me get this straight, the head guy of the Oath Keepers is Stuart Rhodes, okay? And he's been the head guy since the inception of the group. I interviewed him on February 2nd, February 18th, I'm sorry, February 18th, 2010, and 60 Minutes used the clip. Go. Rhodes enlisted in the Army at 18 and was honorably discharged at 24. He went on to graduate from Yale Law School and became a constitutionalist, later warning America was on the brink of government tyranny. In 2010, he told Bill O'Reilly that it was up to current and former members of the military and police who took an oath to defend the Constitution to stop that tyranny. Commander-in-Chief Zia is the president by our Constitution. Mm -hmm. If he issues an order, are you telling people not to obey the order if they don't like it? If it's unconstitutional, yes. So each soldier makes up his mind whether the order he's given is constitutional or not? It's a heavy burden to me. But if, if you obey an unlawful order, you can also be in trouble. Okay, so you saw my skepticism, and I dismissed him and the Oath Keepers 11 years ago. You know, you can't have uh, military and police saying, well, I'm not going to obey that order because I don't think it's, unconstitu- it's constitutional. I mean, what are they, talk show hosts now? You can have a talk show host can say, oh, I don't think it's, un- it's constitutional, but you can't have police or military doing that. Okay, it's, you'd have nothing. You'd have absolute violence and chaos in the military and law enforcement. So I kind of interviewed the guy, he laid it out, and we waved goodbye, and that was the end of him, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Now, um, did the Oath Keepers have anything to do with, not, with the uh, capital thing? Maybe, maybe. But here's something interesting in that story. I don't think 60 Minutes proved that the Oath Keepers were behind the insurrection. 
I mean, they may have been involved on the periphery. Um, but they used a clip, they being 60 Minutes, that kind of balanced it out a little bit. Go. So on January 6th, when you see, you know, these people wearing that same emblem storm into the Capitol, what was your reaction? Some of those people with those keepers could have been BLM. They could it could have been, have been a false anybody. flag as far as I'm concerned. You don't think they were Oath Keepers? Well, they, they we, don't have been. we don't we don't know. We weren't there. And they're stupid people. It's stupid. We don't do that. That's not Oath Keepers. See, now that was put into that piece to provide a little bit of balance. I was surprised to see that. Okay. Um, the next story on 60 Minutes, and I never do this. You guys know that. Um, but it was fascinating to watch this program last night um, basically weave this tale that America is somehow, you know, um, threatened by a group that maybe has a thousand people and that blacks are getting bad health care because they're black. Um, and I'm watching that and I'm going, I don't think the stats stack up to back that up. And that was the second segment by Whitaker. Okay. So here I said, I did my own research on this one. I didn't even bother my staff. I did it. Uh, and here's what we found out. This is life expectancy in the USA right now. We're going to put it on the screen for you. By race, Asian Americans, 86.3 years, 86.3. Hispanic Americans, 80 years for Hispanic Americans. This is life expectancy. Native Americans, 78.4 years. White Americans, 78 years. Native Americans live longer than white Americans. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Black Americans. Now, the CDC has it at 72 years, but others have it at 76 years. And I think the discrepancy between 72 and 76 accounts for the violent homicides among African Americans, which skews their number way down. Okay, the criminality aspect. So black Americans are true. They're at the bottom of life expectancy, but they're not far away from white Americans. They are far away from Asian Americans. I mean, that discrepancy is enormous. But as far as white Americans, it's pretty close. Now, poverty is what drives life expectancy. But in every indicator, black um, wages are coming up. Now, that may stop with the Biden administration, but they're coming up. All right. And and so, again, just like the Oath Keepers are somehow responsible for this capital insurrection. 60 Minutes didn't say that, but that was the implication. Bad health care denied to African-Americans because their skin is black. I, I don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I live in an alternative universe, but I'm a stat guy, a fat guy. I don't see it. OK, let's get to the New York Times. Now, you know what I think about that newspaper. Um, I don't even call it a newspaper anymore. It's a left wing journal. So you may remember that on June 26, 2020, the New York Times reported that American intelligence had concluded that a Russian military intelligence unit 
secretly offered bounties to Taliban-linked militants for killing coalition forces in Afghanistan. Remember that story? And the implication was that Trump wouldn't do anything about it. That's why they reported. Now, the whole story was based on nothing. There wasn't one fact in the story. All right. So I said this. Go. Then the New York Times runs another ridiculous article that says a Russian unit of some kind doesn't identify it offered to pay Taliban for killing Americans in Afghanistan. No attribution, pe people close to the intelligence are ridiculous. 90% of the article is backhoeing into how Trump hasn't been tough on Putin. Okay, so I knew, and this is why you watch and listen to me. I knew as soon as I read the article that it was bull. Okay, you can tell if you're a trained journalist, You've got to back stuff up, as I just did in the 60 Minutes piece that we just analyzed. You've got to back it up with something. They had nothing other than Trump is soft on Putin for some strange reason, which is a theme from the New York Times. Okay, so now the Biden administration last week said that they have low to moderate confidence the Russian story is true, which means it isn't true. If the Biden administration is going, oh, I don't think it's true, <laughs> okay? Because they're not going to give the New, the New York Times a needle unless they absolutely have to. Now, after the erroneous, fallacious, whatever word you want to use, New York Times report came out, here's what the corporate media did. Intelligence showed Russia was paying the Taliban bounties to kill U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. Russia had bounties on the heads of American soldiers. Vladimir Putin is offering bounties for the scalps of American soldiers in Afghanistan. Russian officers put bounties on American and British troops serving in Afghanistan. Russia paid bounties to Taliban militants for the killing of U.S. troops in Afghanistan. Okay, this is why you cannot believe a word of what you see in the network news or in cable news. Because those people don't care what's true. They just parrot like a bird what the New York Times says. If the New York Times prints it, even if it isn't true, they say it's true. You see what's happened to this country? So how on earth could any American get the truth? Unless you're watching me or someone who does similar analysis. And there aren't many of us. Education. So here in New York, there's a brawl going on in Manhattan, in the elite high schools that cost $60,000 a year to send the urchin to. I would never in a million years. I send my kids to Catholic school, the tuition I have to pay, but it's not like that. I'd never do that. Anyway, many of these elite schools and public schools as well are teaching CRT. Do you know what CRT is? That is critical race theory. Two second graders, third graders, CRT. 
I thought it was like a heart thing. Wait, no. Okay, so critical race theory holds that the law and legal institutions in the USA are inherently racist, just like our UN ambassador and Justice Department's civil rights head believe. They teach the kids this as fact, not as a theory, as fact. Well, some parents are going, no. And there's a brawl here, all right? And then we did research and we found out in Virginia, Loudoun County and Massachusetts, and I'm sure in thousands of other school districts across the country, this CRT is being taught as fact. So I wanted to talk to Dr. Bruce Gilley. Remember that name? He is a professor of political science at Portland State University in Oregon, and he has been speaking out against this indoctrination of radical left ideas for years. He still has his job at Portland State, which is amazing because they've tried every way in the world to get him out of there. And Dr. Gilly joins us now from Portland. All right. Did I sum up your situation accurately? Yeah, you sure did, Bill. And, uh, you know, they're, they're still trying, but I'm still here. All right. And listen, um, if they get you, it's, it's all over because there are not many professors like you. So let's deal with the overarch in college first, then we'll go to high school. This critical race theory is challenged in very few campuses. Is that true? Yeah, there's not much pushback. It crept in uh, along with all the changes in higher education since the 1960s. Uh, and now, thanks to people like Robin DiAngelo, uh, if you criticize it, uh, then that's more evidence of how deep-seated the problem is. Yeah, you're a racist if you cri criticize critical race theory, which says America is an awful, evil country to this day that goes out of its way to brutalize African Americans. Now, do you think most college professors believe it or are so frightened they go along with it? I think it's the latter, actually. Um, and actually, I don't... I don't have a problem with critical race theorists. I mean, you're, you're, it's a free country. You can say any number of crazy things you want. And, and you know, we have academic freedom protections, you know, so that people can say crazy things. Um, what I am more concerned about is the sort of center left would be liberals who, who say, well, I don't believe in it. And I don't really like what they're doing, but, you know, just keep my head down and this will pass and, and it'll all go back to normal again. The, those people, to me, are the real traitors to uh, academic freedom, free speech, and the expectation of the taxpayer that their universities and colleges should be places of open debate and a variety of perspectives. Okay. So you really don't believe that most college professors think America's evil, needs to be dissembled, um, and everybody who disagrees with them is a racist. You don't believe that most college professors espouse that. Well, don't forget, I mean, take a, a, a research university has professional schools. They've got engineering schools, science schools. They've got, uh, you know, pe people doing applied work. I mean, we tend to, to focus a lot on the kind of crazies in the humanities in film studies and, and gender research, you know, departments. But I mean, that's a pretty that's, that's the very bottom of the swamp, Bill. I mean, you know, when you fill the water up, it looks like there's not many swamp creatures. It's only when you kind of drain it of all those other you know, practical and applied departments that you realize what's lying in the mud. Okay. 
Now, the students themselves, and I, I had lunch with 11 college students yesterday. I'm going to tell everybody about that in the final thought. But the students themselves, in high schools where they know nothing, and college where they know a little but not a lot, they are, this is being rammed down their throat. So what's the damage, in your opinion, there? I think it's it's child abuse. It is child abuse. It is taking uh, vulnerable and uh, and minds which have not had the benefits of exposure to lengthy formal education and telling them that there's only one way to think about the world, uh, that you need to think of yourself according to your racial category. That's the first move. The second move is those racial categories are divided into oppressor and oppressed groups. And then the third move is if you're in the oppressed group, your job is to claim victimization and seek entitlement and reparations. If you're an oppressor, then your job is to show uh, penitence, to um, seek forgiveness, to engage in performative acts of virtue signaling. And that that is really your purpose. That's the social justice activism. I mean, I think at the college level, we, we can argue about, you know, what should and shouldn't be allowed. But I think at the K to 12 level, this is nothing short of child abuse. You know, I wrote a column uh, and it's posted on BillOReilly.com uh, this week about victims and how it robs uh, people, especially children, of incentive, Professor. That if you're a victim, it's like, oh, I, I can't succeed. I, I'm not even going to try. And particularly if you're not, you know, incredibly gifted um, and you really have to slug through like I did. Um, if you if you're being told every day, well, you can't succeed because you're black or whatever. Um, well, why even try? Why just sit there and just demand stuff? And we're seeing more and more of that in this country. Final word, please. Yeah. And that's that's the plantation. And, and it's a kind of brilliant scheme, because if you can get everyone on the plantation and they, you, they'll all know which way to vote as well, then you'll never really have to contest an election again. Uh, luckily, I see some some reasons for hope Free people who realize they want to be free, not victims. They want to be self uh, self authoring, not told by white film studies professors what to think and read. And um, I, I'm hopeful that this will run its course. Wow. I hope you're right. Um, but it's bad now. So thank you, Professor. I really appreciate you coming on and helping us out. Once again, the column on victimization is posted on BillOReilly.com. I hope everybody will take a look. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, And they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. 
Okay, so I had a bunch of letters that said, look, did COVID rise in Florida uh, after the spring break fiasco in Miami where all the idiots were running up and down without any masks? Yes. In Florida, uh, the cases of COVID have risen sixfold since mid-March, since that happened. Sixfold. Uh, 122 people hospitalized in the Miami area. Uh, the Orlando Sentinel wanted the data from the Florida Department of Health. It refused to give it up. The Sentinel, to its credit, sued the Florida Department of Health and uh, got the data. So um, there, there was a direct cause and effect from the irresponsible spring breakers in Miami. In Oregon, and we just were there, um, that's one of the best states as far as vax is concerned. Okay, 60% of Oregonians either have both shots or one. 60%. And by the way, today, everybody in the United States qualifies to be vaccinated. Everybody. There are no restrictions anymore as of today. Well, uh, in Salem, the capital of Oregon, uh, they said, you know, even though we're almost fully vaccinated here on the way, we're not going to lift the mask mandate. Uh-uh. So when you go out, you got to wear a mask or you're violating the law in Oregon. And we're not lifting it because we don't want to lift it because we, the state legislature, want to tell you what to do. <laughs> Oregon's the only state, all right, that's doing this thus far. And they'll say, we'll let you know when we think you don't have to wear a mask. But until that time, you better wear a mask in public. Now, why would anyone want to live in Oregon? Beautiful state. It's being held hostage by Multnomah County, which is Portland. And remember, I live there. Okay. The rest of the state, with the exceptions of the two university towns, um, is moderate to conservative. And it's a great place to live. There's no more beautiful state. But it's fascism. You're living in a, a fascist state in Oregon. Unbelievable. And then you got Antifa burning Portland down every night. Okay, Texas, the exact opposite of Oregon. All right, so Texas is probably the most conservative state as far as legislature and governance in the country. Um, so enter Texas native Matthew McConaughey. You know him? Put him up there. There's Matthew. Well, he won an Academy Award uh, for the movie... Dallas Buyers Club, very popular guy. He's had a book on the bestseller list for six months. Six months. Green Lights is the name of the book. I have not seen it, but McConaughey's got a big following. So he made a mention. He's 51 years old. He said, yeah, I might, I might run for office sometime. Whoa, geez. So now they did a poll. Would you vote for Matthew McConaughey or the present governor of Texas, Greg Abbott? Who would you vote for? McConaughey wins, 45%. Abbott, 33%. <laughs> now, Abbott, I think, has done a pretty good job in Texas. He'd been at taxes down. He's not a loon. But McConaughey would beat him 45-33 if McConaughey decides to run as a Democrat, obviously. Um, will he run? I don't think so. Because, you know, that's, that's a heady poll, but those numbers aren't going to hold. And now... If he did run, there'd be ops on him all over the place, and they'd try to tear him apart. That's what politics is in the United States of America. This day in history, April 19th, 1995, 
the worst domestic act of terror ever, the Oklahoma City bombing. 26 years ago, you'll remember, 27-year-old Timothy McVeigh and 40-year-old Terry Nichols. Um, there's McVeigh. Uh, packed a truck full of explosives, blew up the Mora Federal Building in Oak City, uh, killing 168, including 19 children. 500 people were injured. And until 9-11, that was the worst terror incident ever. It is still the worst domestic incident. Okay, so uh, McVeigh, they caught him a couple hours after, not on the bombing, but he had uh, a car with no license plate on it. So they took him in, and then uh, they got information that he was involved. He was executed two years later. Nichols is serving 161 years without possibility of parole. Oklahoma City bombing this day in history. All right, quick break, good mail segment, and a final thought about my lunch with uh, the college students yesterday. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Okay, let's do some mail. Raymond Johnson, Bill, you spoke about the idea that if 330 million of us could refrain from seeing race or color, then the racial problem would be solved. So let's talk about who is bringing race and color to the forefront. Well, that would be the media and some race hustlers. Uh, and now, more and more, the Democratic Party. That's who's doing it. Warren on the message board. Um, leave a thousand special forces in the armpit of the earth, Afghanistan. Why? Your reasoning makes no sense, O'Reilly. Of course it makes sense, Warren. Why did we go to Afghanistan in the first place? Because that's where Al-Qaeda was based, right? That's why we went and we destroyed Al-Qaeda. Now the Taliban, same operation, still there. What happens when we leave? ISIS will go in, right? And they'll have a sanctuary where they can recruit and do horrible things all over the world from Afghanistan. If you put a thousand special forces in, U.S. special forces, Taliban and ISIS better watch it. So my reasoning, as always, is logical. Gary Richardson, Homa, Louisiana. Bill, you have consistently recommended the use of the National Guard in situations where rioting takes place. I'm curious, what are the rules of engagement for the Guard? The Guard cannot arrest. They can detain. So if there's looting, the guard can go into the store, cuff the people looting, and hold them for the police. They also obviously are armed, and they can prevent people from setting fires, from doing violence. If somebody's shooting, they can shoot back. That's the guard. Archie Williams, Geneseo, Illinois. What can an unarmed Ashley Babbitt be killed? Why can an unarmed Ashley Babbitt be killed at the Capitol with no repercussions? Because uh, Ms. Babbitt, as you'll remember, was trying to break through into the chamber okay, of the Capitol, where the politicians were. That's why. 
And if you have police, just like the National Guard, and somebody's going to break into where the Congress people and the senators are and the vice president, you shoot them. And that's unfortunately what happened to Ms. Babbitt, who I sure had no blanket idea how serious this was. Marilyn Butchfink, Olaga, Olaga. I know I'm saying the name of that town wrong. Olaga, Indian name, Oklahoma. Bill, I really enjoy the No Spin News. I'm glad I joined BillOReilly.com. I agree with you on almost all topics except COVID vaccine. I think you are fooling yourself. Okay. You know, 20% of Americans believe the way that you do, Marilyn. Um, you don't want to take it, don't take it. They can't force you to take it. Sandy, very good points that you brought up, Mr. O'Reilly. Basically, the victim card is being abused to alter population mindset. Okay, I'm glad you like my column, gal. Sandy, um, I hope everybody reads it. Ronald, concierge member, which me, and so is Sandy. Direct access to me. Please check that program out. It will help your life worth the money. It's not a lot of money. I agree with you 100% about your column. You will never see an editorial opinion like yours anywhere else. That's what you're watching and listening. So we'll give you unique analysis here, all fact-based. Victoria Hurd, Fairhaven, New Jersey. Your column was spectacular. Victimhood definitely in. I am beyond sick and tired of all the whining and finger pointing. I'm 74, a white woman who came from very humble beginnings to run a small dry cleaner that has enabled me to achieve the American dream. No one gave me a handout, nor would I have taken it. Well, Victoria, you are a patriot. I hope you understand that in every sense of the word. Catherine Parker, St. George, Utah. Mr. O totally agree with the victimization article. I grew up in a household where I was the victim of poor parenting. I could have easily given up. I persevered, put myself through nursing school, and had a satisfying life. You're a patriot, Catherine. Overcoming adversity. Okay. Walter Ski, Valley Stream, New York. Love the no-spin news. I took your advice, Bill. Purchased the Paul Newman coffee cups. I'm happy to announce that the coffee is as good as you said it would be. Now, Paul Newman, the late actor, every penny that his company derives in profit goes to charity. And the products are good. The popcorn is good. The coffee is good. The other stuff is good. So check it out. And there's a legacy guy, Newman. That's for sure. Jackie, concierge member, Bill, I love sweets after you mentioned your blood sugar results and again, how sugar hurts you. I'm looking at the products. My question is, can you tell me what an acceptable amount of sugar is? Depends on your body. Everybody has a different threshold. So some people have, you know, their DNA, they inherit. If you drink sugar, you get in trouble. That's diabetes, diabetics. I would say anything over 15 grams, you look at the label, it says 15 G's. Coke is like 55 G's for one can of Coke. I mean, that's insane. 15 G's is about my limit. Andrew Chow, Greensboro, North Carolina. Bill, your news reports are invaluable. I urge people to subscribe to BillOReilly.com. I take notes during your reports and share the facts on my parlor account. Good. Let's get that parlor thing going on. And taking notes is excellent. Okay, so two weeks from tomorrow, Killing the Mob comes out. Here's my strategy for everybody. Mother's Day coming up early May, Father's Day June. Get your mom, dad, grandma, grandfather, concierge, or premium membership on BillOReilly.com. 
If you do that, you get Killing the Mob free or any other killing book. Okay? So you give a great gift to your father, grandfather, I went over it, all right, on mom and dad's days, and then you have a, a book. Now you can give it to them or you can keep it or whatever you want to do. But this makes financial sense, fiscal sense to do this. And there's no better gift than membership on BillOReilly.com for people who want the truth, who need the truth. All right. Uh, word of the day, do not be dogmatic, D-O-G-M-A-T-I-C. Holly the Terror Dog does not like dogmatic people. Back with my lunch with the college urchins in a moment. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, final thought of the day. Um, So yesterday, I went up to the Bronx. I hadn't been there in a while. I went to Antonio's Trattoria on Belmont Avenue in the Bronx. Belmont Avenue is famous for Dion and the Belmonts. Remember Runaround Sue, The Wanderer, all that? Dion lived, and the Belmonts, his backup group, lived on Belmont Avenue. And that is in the Italian section of the Bronx. Our Lady of Mount Carmel is a beautiful Catholic church there built by Italians in 1907. So anyway, I went up there because Fordham University is in that neighborhood. And I took 11 Fordham graduating urchins out for lunch. What a guy I am. Now, I got to tell you, they were great. They were motivated. They don't hate their country. There weren't any victims in the group that I could see. And I gave them some jazz. I was, you know, throwing the stuff out. You know me. All right. They were great. All right. Ten ladies, one gentleman uh, of Middle Eastern descent. I was so impressed. They all valued their uh, education, their Jesuit education at Fordham. They were all grateful their parents helped them pay the tuition and living costs. It was I was like, whoa. I said, isn't there a loon in here? One of you? No. And they all are optimistic and they want to go out and contribute to society. So I'm pretty tough, you know, on uh, the whiners and the victims. I didn't see any yesterday. And the food was great at Antonio's Trattoria. So it was a really, really good day. We'll see you tomorrow.